There is big news all over the sports world in the last week, but none within an order of magnitude of Amazon acquiring a minority stake in Diamond Sports Group. For those of you who are unaware, Diamond Sports Group is the company that owns the Bally Sports brand of regional sports networks, which own the broadcast rights to 15 NBA teams, 11 NHL teams, and 11 MLB teams. Until the last MLB season, the Diamond also controlled the broadcast rights to the San Diego Padres and Arizona Diamondbacks before payments were missed and broadcast rights were forfeited to the MLB. Also outstanding are my Minnesota Twins, whose contract with Diamond expired after the 2023 MLB season. Amazon taking this investment into Diamond means upcoming direct-to-consumer streaming of Diamond-owned media via Amazon Prime, similar to what we see with Thursday Night Football, with the wrinkle that team broadcasts will still only be available in their local market. Um, So that means at present, this isn't a solution to blackouts, and if you want to watch out-of-market games, it will still require MLB TV, NBA League Pass, or ESPN Plus for the NHL. My big ask of Amazon is this. Make broadcasts available to the entire state claimed as part of a team's market. I'm exhausted with TV providers either A, not having Bally Sports at all, uh, or not broadcasting Bally Sports North into our part of Iowa, all the while still being considered in market by the Twins, Timberwolves, Bucks, Brewers, and Wild, and as a result, being able to being completely unable to access their games over the league's various out-of-market services as well. Today is Saturday, January 20th. I'm Matt Menson, and welcome to the Cornfield Sports Pod. As always, we got co-host Blake Peterson on the mic, and joining us today, we've also got producer Vinny on the mic, um, with it being remote once again. Um, yeah. Did- I don't know how we're still even getting blacked out like twins twins games like even like even in this part of Iowa. It's like it's, e- like even Fox Fox Sports does the same thing when like when you're when you're like that much closer to the to Twin Cities. Yeah, when they do their national broadcast but they own the rights to multiple yeah, they'll put on uh Yankees Dodgers in the middle of Iowa when the twins are playing the Rangers or something like that. And it's like seriously guys, come on. Wanna watch the local team. No, there can't there can't be blackouts like with the Amazon, like with the Amazon deal. Well, there's gonna be blackouts. That's that's still gonna be the case. Like you're not gonna be able to watch it outside of uh, your regional area. It, it's still gonna be regional broadcast because MLB TV uh, and NBA League Pass and ESPN Plus have out of market rights. At least here, though. But yeah, here. Like that's- like Amazon, yeah, Amazon Prime needs to make Bally Sports North games available to stream here, because right now you like if you want to watch, there's only two cable providers that have Bally Sports North, and it's Fubo and Directv. That's it. Directv is only available through the satellite version. So if you're in an apartment and you need a streaming service, you're out of luck. Um, but who who in their right mind would still use a street uh like satellite dish anymore sports bars like it's i mean true but like i feel like satellite is just slowly decaying like right because it's so expensive and has so much extra infrastructure uh it's it's less efficient so bally sports north is not available to stream at all uh in most parts of iowa because the only other provider that carries it is fubo and they only broadcast it in the very northernmost part of iowa most of iowa doesn't get it even though the entire state of Iowa is, you know, claimed by Minnesota teams and the Wisconsin teams as territory. So if you're in, you know, uh, anywhere south basically of Mason City, you're SOL as far as trying to watch their games. Um, Yeah. Now it's, hopefully it's a step in the right direction because the MLBs wanted to uh, work with Amazon potentially before as a way of, uh, removing blackouts and generalizing national broadcast. Um, Apple TV Plus has also been a uh, potential partner with that. They're already involved uh, with Apple TV Plus because they do Friday Night Baseball. Um, so we'll see where it ends up going, um, especially as uh, teams' contracts with Diamond expire 
And we'll see what the Twins end up doing if they decide to re-sign now that Amazon's in the business or if they find someone else to provide or if they decide to try to do something on their own. Um, but we'll see what ends up happening. Or if they just let the MLB take care of it, uh, like the uh, D-backs and Padres had to do last year. So we'll, uh, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Uh, let's, let's go to some Iowa State football here, though, real quick. Uh, we did add four transfers, uh, from the portal. We, uh, are filling in some gaps on the roster there. Um, first one here, uh, offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. He's a redshirt junior, Dylan Barrett, uh, 6'5", 230. Uh, he's got two years of eligibility remaining. This is obviously part of the, uh, goal in revamping that offensive line that had a lot of holes in the run game last year. Um, you know, cause we don't need to see another repeat of Texas or Memphis where we allowed nine or we're not where we allowed, where we had nine and zero rush yards respectively. Um, so let's, let's not repeat that. This is part of, you know, the coaching staff's, uh, moves to, to improve that offensive line. And right now adding more talent, is only going to make this team better. So, um, got a few more of them here. Uh, Carter Davis plays kicker. He's a junior out of Florida Atlantic. 100% on his PAT attempts, which doesn't really tell you a whole lot, but he is. Uh, he hasn't missed any. Um, as far as field goals go, he's only two for four with a long of 47, so that doesn't tell you a whole lot. I mean, do you... I mean, I mean, it, he's got some range, which is nice. It's good to see that he's got range, but as far as accuracy goes, uh, we don't really know a whole lot. Uh, Jalen Jackson, uh, 5'6", 168-pound running back, senior out of Eastern Michigan. Uh, two kickoff return touchdowns and had almost 1,000 yards rushing last year for a, a little guy. 5'6", 170 pounds is... Uh, that's not much. I mean, what are you guys? Do you, do you guys? How do you think that's going to work with Sama in the back? I mean, if he's going to get if he's going to get fast down there, then then like that's that's going to be pretty useful. Because that's Sama obviously can't take every single snap himself. You know, that's just going to no. beat up on running backs too much. So it's it's good to have somebody else incoming to help split carries. Um, and with Jackson being a senior here, um, you know, he should be a bit more experienced as well than Sama because Sama will only be a sophomore next year. Um, and then that fourth transfer uh, that we are bringing into the program, uh, this one was just, he just committed a couple days ago, Isaiah Alston, a 6'4", 195-pound wide receiver out of Army. He is a redshirt junior. Um how he translates to our offense will might be a bit of an unknown because he comes from that triple option system uh, that West Point uses. But his average yards per catch on the catches that he does have is 21 yards per catch. So he's a, he's he can get open down the field. He can get yards after the catch. Um, you know, he obviously hasn't done that a lot, but he has proven that he can do that. Um, and he's a big guy. A good opposite side of the field compliment to Jaden Higgins is what I'm thinking. So, um, especially with Jalen Knoll being a smaller, speedier guy, um, you know, now you've got a good XYZ combination here. Uh, throw in Ben Brommer at the tight end spot, and that uh, we might have a really, really solid receiving core next year. I, I like where this is going. Uh, men's basketball, a little bit more to talk about here. Uh, Blake, win versus Oklahoma State a week ago. Yes, yes, win, win versus Oklahoma State. Uh, so this one was a pretty interesting situation. Uh, so so Oklahoma State did end up getting here late because uh, they did have a bunch of like flight delays uh, due to the snowmageddon. Uh, so the game was delayed, and... And weather moved us to ESPN Plus because ESPN TV crew couldn't get here, so we had, so we kind of had to go all hands on deck with with our house crew, but right and we yeah did what with, we could. 
Yeah, and with Oklahoma State's transportation problems, that kind of only exacerbated the issue. Because we weren't even sure that game was going to happen basically until they got here. Um, yeah. they, bar- they barely had uh, time to like shoot around, so like they just literally just they got did, here. and They, they just, didn't like, have shoot around. Uh, they didn't have shoot around. You know, they're not able to have practice earlier in the day or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, because with a Saturday game like that, generally you try to fly in the night before. Um, you know, that's that's pretty much standard protocol is flying in the night before so that you're going to have that practice, have shoot around. Uh, and that didn't happen for them. They got here. Uh, I thought that it affected the way Oklahoma State played in that game. I thought that they looked kind of stiff. And, you know, after having just flown in, uh, that makes perfect sense. Because we did hold them to just over 40 points. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that had uh, Oklahoma State been able to get here uh, as planned instead of right before game time, that that game probably would have been a little bit closer, that Oklahoma State probably would have played a little bit better. I think that Oklahoma State is a better team uh, than what we saw on Saturday night. That ended up playing to our advantage. But uh, don't sleep on them uh, when we go down. Do we? We do play them in Stillwater this year, correct? I guess this isn't around. This isn't double round robin anymore. I guess it's not uh, guarantee that we play them in Stillwater every year. Um, can't remember. Can't remember if we do or not. I so think yeah, we I don't do. Remember off that, that off the top of my head. So used to having that double round robin, you used to assume you play everybody at their home site, but that uh, that is not the case this year. Um, that's, uh, that's what happens when you add more teams to the Big 12. You know, 14 this year, it'll be 16 next year. Uh, speaking of new teams, uh, we did lose at BYU earlier this week. Um, yep, yeah, this, this one was definitely struggle on the road. Uh, emotion, emotions were definitely high, like, on this one. Yeah, uh, well, that Hassan Ward ejection was out of character for him. It was very out of character. Well, because you don't... You don't box out that high. Uh, you don't kick your arms up that high on a box out unintentionally. Like, that was obviously deliberate. But that's out of character for Hassan to do. He's usually uh, a more quiet player, I guess. Uh, you know, he lets his action on the court speak for itself, and generally that's the way he is. Um, but, you know, that kind of leads me to wonder, you know, if something was said to him by... Uh, one of BYU's players, or what ended up happening there, uh, because that's that's not something you expect to see from Hassan Ward. Um, yeah. Aside from that, in this game, BYU shot the ball really well. Uh, they did. Yeah, thirteen threes is tough to is tough to beat. They're shooting quite well from three, and then fouls and the free throw line were also a problem for us um there was just there was a lot of fouls on both sides of the ball actually in this game but trey king and curtis jones having four fouls a piece um that's obviously going to affect the way they play because once you get to that point uh your defense is going to get real soft because you don't want to give up any fouls um and then at the charity stripe uh byu had 20 points from the line whereas we only had Oh, what was it? 14, 16, something like that. We finished 64% from the stripe. We had significantly less points from the free throw line than BYU did, and BYU only shot one more free throw than we did. Um, so, you know... That's, that's, a, that's a big game decider right there. It is, because even though that that's not enough to cover the margin of victory, it changes momentum. When a game is closer, you play it differently. And that can end up changing the result on its own. Now, we don't know if it actually would change the result, but that is the kind of thing that, you know, you look at just the raw margin of victory and how an individual moment might change it. Well, that's not going to be the final change, you know, 99% of the time because it affects the way the rest of the game gets played. Um, And then upcoming here in the next week, we're going to be at TCU... And then at home against K-State, women's basketball. We got a lot to talk about here. Oh, boy. Um, Yes. Uh, First off, a week ago, 
Win versus Baylor. Blake? Win versus Baylor. That was an amazing game to work for me. One of the best I've ever worked. Uh, definitely not definitely not a great return for Janae Fritz. Matt? No, that was a hostile crowd for her to have to return to. Uh, Ames, Iowa was uh, not happy about uh, her transferring last year. And note that she told Tommy Birch in an interview after she entered the transfer portal, or it might have been after she committed to Baylor, that she was looking for a faster pace of play. And Baylor had a notably slower pace of play. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, questions about whether or not she was even being honest uh, when she gave that interview because the reason that she gave does not line up with the school that she went to at all. Um, they're, they're, they're stark opposites. They're in direct opposition to each other. So I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but yes, she returned to a very hostile crowd in Ames. Um, the uh, the Iowa State faithful that were there that made it through the snowpocalypse were quite loud at that game, and it wasn't it wasn't a lot of people, you know, with the with the snowstorm rolling in. Or I shouldn't say rolling in; it was already long since in. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the crowd that was able to get there very loud and they let Baylor have it um and it worked because Bill Fennelly orchestrated yet another comeback um at Baylor led by as many as 13 points in this game and Iowa State's largest lead was five points early in the first quarter um and that was followed by a scoring drought that lasted the rest of the quarter and we gave that up pretty quick um but yeah that's uh it, it was quite the game. I, I can't believe that that three court, the three quarter court buzzer beater was called at the end of the first quarter. Uh, you know when she traveled by about five or six steps before getting that ball off. But with with that one, the entire the entire ISU bench and everyone in Hilton was calling for a travel. But unfortunately, they even they were Baylor's coaches to... looked surprised. Yeah. That's how you know. Every, they were, everybody they, in that arena, except the refs, knew that that was a travel. I mean, you, like you can't you can't overturn that. That was the issue. No, well, you can't overturn. It's not even reviewable. There's not really anything other than upgraded fouls that are reviewable until you get to the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um. You know, it's not like the NBA where you can. Well, I guess you can't challenge to add a foul. Uh, I guess you can challenge to. Uh, uh, downgrade a foul, or you can challenge to remove a foul. And then, uh, I guess NBA, you can also challenge, you know, who, who it goes out of bounds off of and stuff like that. Um, but, nope, don't have that in the college game. So that was called as it was. Ended up being a close game, but it did not make the final difference. And that's another one of those things, though, where it's, you know, momentum changing a game, but that actually favored Baylor. Um... Now, how you play the game ends up changing after that. But regardless, it ended up working out in our favor. We walked away with the win. Yep. And that's that's one of those that's one of those uh, situations where we we responded to we responded to those, and it just works out in our favor. Shortly yep. after the game, though, uh, Bill Fenley, there's a viral video of Bill Fenley like. Him having his jubilation uh, just before he, he sprints into the locker room. The all fist pump, pump jump. All pumping his fists and then... The fist pump like, jump. Yep. Dude was airborne. Dude was fully airborne when he fist pumped. <laughs> I mean, how would you feel if you were him? Dude, I'd be freaking... psyched. Exactly. I mean, like, him doing the fist bump is completely justified. You, I mean, you've seen me at games. I'm the loudest person in the arena. So that's why that's why the cameras are always on you and you and they can pick you up even with the commentators doing their stuff. You are that loud. Well, don't forget during the uh the post game stuff after Cyhawk women's basketball, the uh the interview mics picked me up. So um yeah, that was that was a thing that happened if you go back and watch that. Um uh anyway, uh so that game against Baylor was Fenley's fifth comeback win in a row uh all of which were in conference play 
Um, that streak would eventually come to an end. Uh, loss at Texas Tech on Wednesday. Um, you know, when you go down in every game that you play, eventually you're going to lose one. Um, and it was eventually going to happen. I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised that it happened on the road. I mean, it's the Big 12. Yeah, the Big 12 is it's, tough. There's a lot it's of good the Big 12 on the road. There's a lot of competitive parity in the Big 12, men's and women's. Uh, that's why it's such a great league to watch. Um, but some of the decision making in this game, I thought, was kind of baffling. It didn't make a whole lot of sense watching it. Um, there was a distinct lack of adjustment. Um, you know, on on both sides of the ball too, offense and defense. I mean, the offensive side of the ball. How many opportunities? I don't know that I saw. Uh, for a wide-open pick-and-roll where there's no post player in the paint for Texas Tech. Um, so it's completely unguarded. And instead of doing a pick-and-roll, we're doing a pick-and-fade right into a defender with no open pass and then proceeding to half the time get the ball stolen or miss a bad jump shot. And so we needed better shot selection. And... The end result of that ended up being that Addie Brown, Nia Dew, Ariana Jackson, and Kelsey Jones were a combined 1-for-17 from the floor. Uh, And the team as a whole had 14 turnovers. So it was not a good night on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Very confusing to watch. Um there there certainly needed to be some adjustment made and we we didn't get it all night uh defensive it side, wasn't go ahead it wasn't our night it wasn't our night no it wasn't the defensive side of the ball honestly i found even more annoying um because the zone defense that we were playing was completely ineffective uh texas tech was doing all of their damage from the perimeter in that game and a zone is not what you use to cover the perimeter. A zone's designed for keeping things tight in the paint. And the end result of it, and it was a 2-3 zone, the end result of that was Audie Crooks being in the paint, guarding absolutely nobody because Texas Tech had all five of their ladies outside the three-point arc. And so it didn't protect the perimeter at all. Texas Tech always had somebody open on the perimeter and that's why it gave them so many open shots from the outside and that's where they kept beating us at um so i i wanted to see some adjustment there you know switch to a matchup zone or a man-to-man or something but uh that did not happen and it allowed texas tech to score more points and yes to uh to score more score more point wow i'm stumbling over my own tongue here to score more points than we did um yeah, so that's how that went. And then we added another win to our conference record uh, in a win by forfeit against TCU. That game would have been today, uh, but that but, game will not be happening. So the situation was uh, TCU doesn't have enough available players, so they ended up holding open tryouts on Thursday and Friday uh, yeah. to to full-time uh, students. Yeah, it's a tough situation for your coach to have to be in. Um, you know, you start... I, could, I couldn't imagine. No. You, you start the year 14-0, everything's looking bright, and then all of a sudden you've got injury problems uh, cropping up. And let's see, what was it? In their last game, they'd play... In the last game that they played, they had 10 individuals play. Now, they had one season-ending injury in that game, so they left that game with nine players healthy that had played in that game that could you know play the next game the minimum number of required players to dress is eight so that means at some point in between that game and when they would have played kansas state on wednesday they lost two other players to not be able to dress eight and we don't really know why that is you know we don't know if there was other injuries involved uh, you know, if there was academic problems, if there's an illness, we don't know what was going on. Um, but we know that TCU is in a tough spot right now. And that resulted in their open tryouts. And, you know, they, they put out a, a media graphic on their social media 
listed requirements to try out. You know, you got to be a full-time TCU student. Um, you know, they wanted you to have played ball in high school, have a high enough GPA, you know, things like that. But what was notably missing from the requirements, and, go. you know, 10 years ago, this is not something that you would even have to list on the requirements. But in today's day and age, uh, unfortunately, it is something that does need to be listed, and it wasn't. The requirements for being on the women's basketball team did not include being a woman. It's in the name, Matt. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, tell that to women's swimming or uh, women's track, uh, because this is something that the NCAA has been allowing for five years now that I know of. Um, you know, it started off with uh, Craig Telfer um, five years ago. Uh, in 2019, he stole a women's track and field title. And that was before this was even prominent. Like, most people don't even know who this is. I had to do some research to figure out what uh, what his name was. And then, of course, the one that we're much more familiar with, uh, William Thomas, uh, who stole swimming titles uh, while swimming at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, you know, as I said, this he made this more famous um, because he inspired people like Riley Gaines, uh, who was one of the individuals that he stole a title from and then Paula Scanlon who was uh, one of his teammates that was you know forced to share a locker room with him and things like that um, and then you know it's it's not just an NCAA problem either it's uh, it, it's top down because it had it, it's occurring at the high school level too and you know when it happens at the high school level they're gonna want to keep it going at the collegiate level but you know we don't even know who it was that injured Peyton McNabb in a volleyball game um, you know, I, I can't find the name on the, on the internet anywhere. Um, but nobody knows, nobody really knows who did it. Well, I think it's because th this individual was probably a minor when it happened. So it's like a John Doe type of situation, I guess. Um, cause I couldn't find anything on any published news articles from like the last three years on this. Uh, and it happened, it happened, I, was it two and a half years ago? Something like that. Uh, maybe, maybe two years ago. I don't remember. But I, two years ago sounds about right. Um, but that was that was the North Carolina volleyball incident where you know uh, a, a man claiming to be a woman, uh, you know, spiked a volleyball at Peyton McNabb, gave her a concussion. You know, she's got uh, health problems that stem from that to this day. Um, so you know, it, it's a dangerous thing, and that's just in volleyball. And so now we're not only talking about you know titles being stolen, but actual you know, danger for the women involved and basketball is a much more physical sport than volleyball. So I would hate to see, you know, it, and more than likely it's going to end up being actual women that get the spot on TCU's basketball program. And it's, it's definitely going to be the case because, well, because I don't, you can't say that with hundred percent certainty. I can't, but I don't expect to see it. 10 years ago, you could say with 100% certainty even without it being listed as a requirement, that it would be women on the women's basketball team. Today, you can't say that. You you cannot be 100% sure that that is going to be the case. And that's, that's a problem. You know, women's basketball is supposed to be for women, not for men who pretend to be women. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a tough spot for that program to have to be in. And it's an unfortunate reality that a lot of other teams are going to need to have to face. Um, but that win by forfeit will make us 6-1 and one in conference play. Um, we're going to be playing at Kansas here in the next week, Blake. Um, you know, that previous matchup at home was one of Fennelly's come-from-behind wins. It um, was. It, it started off as a struggle, too, so hopefully they can hold on to that. Uh, that game will be going on at the same time as the Kansas State game uh, for men's basketball, which, yep. why why are there why are there simultaneous games? Like for well, that's just the way it's got to be sometimes. Uh, only so many nights in a week, and there's a lot of games to play. Um, but, you know, they're not going to have Hilton Magic for this one. This game's going to be played at Allen Fieldhouse. 
we know that you know you put the teams side by side that our team can in fact win because they already did it once um but you know different environment we'll see how it uh we'll see how it affects the results of this game hopefully the ladies can pull it out uh wrestling wrestling win versus utah valley and uh at probably the worst moment of the snow apocalypse but you know we pulled out a dub so apocalypse yep so for this one hilton coliseum ended up doing uh open seating they moved up the the duel two hours and then they ended up doing open seating so they did the open seating because maybe like 40 people showed up yeah anyone could sit anywhere no tickets required so that had that had uh students like you like you yeah me uh, and the one other student that showed up had mat sided seats because we could it was great because we could so they weren't even scanning tickets at the doors they didn't have enough event staff to do it no but this one they literally were just like everybody come in yep yep wow they didn't even have most of the parking lots plowed we parked in the event staff lot because that was the only one that had plowed everyone that was there parked in the event staff lot and it may and it didn't even fill that up halfway so I i feel like everybody was just like stay home that yeah that's basically what it was yep they encouraged everyone to stay home but for the people who did come they're just like hey you brave tits good on you get in here mm-hmm yeah, it was, it was so, a good thing we didn't have to walk across all the the commuter lots like you know you yeah. normally would for a game, or a, or a wrestling duel. Yeah. This one uh, was an ESPN Plus pass through, so no commercials, no nothing. Uh, it was just it was just a quick wrestling duel like that. There was also no sponsorships. Uh, the Hilton Jumbotrons. Oh yeah, so, for those of us that were there, it was great. You know, no promotions, wasting your time. It's just wrestling. You know, just have you know two guys grappling on an inch and a half of foam rubber. It's great. It's like it's like oh one one guy's done. All right, next next next. Hurry. Yep, that's the way it went. It was uh, it was quite kind of feels like high school rest. Kind of feels like high school wrestling with that. Little bit only. There's ten bouts instead of fourteen. Right. Um, but yeah, it's that's actually kind of a good way to look at it. You know, no no promotions. It's you know it's just you get straight into the wrestling. You enjoy the wrestling, and then uh, you you go home after uh, clobbering Utah Valley. <laughs> yeah, uh, this one, uh, younger Bastida, uh, was our only was our only uh, forfeit match, so he won that because Utah Valley forfeit. They, yeah, they didn't and even then, put up a wrestler against Younger. Um, we had a few uh, win by falls though for that one. Uh, David Carr being one of them, and I I don't remember off the top of my head who the other one was. Uh, you know, we had a couple tech falls in there as well. Um, it was a good night, good night for Iowa State wrestling. And then uh, last Sunday was when the uh, pit duel, uh, would actually would have been the second pit, uh, pit duel, but uh, that was when that was supposed to happen, uh, but with it not being a conference duel, they uh, they declined to have that one happen. Uh, they just canceled it because, you know, n- there wasn't any uh, uh, outlying effect behind it necessarily better for the safety of the wrestlers for the staff the coaches uh you know everyone that's involved in that for them to not have to uh fly and drive in this blizzard so dang snow apocalypse yep um we know what would have happened anyway we already beat him once at the uh at the collegiate duels so uh and then not this weekend but next weekend uh a week from yesterday we will be uh, wrestling at 19th ranked Oklahoma down in Norman. And then the day after that, we will be in Stillwater uh, wrestling at 5th ranked Oklahoma State. Um, we are currently 4th ranked. Those are going to be some great duels. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State put up good teams every year. Um, and I'm getting real excited for when that Missouri duel ends up coming up too because they're ranked, uh, I believe, second or third right now i think they're ranked second right now ahead of iowa Uh, missouri's got a fantastic team down there right now um yeah uh blake we actually have some softball news this week that's a good softball this so our only softball news right now malaysia ochoa gets preseason all conference that's all we've got 
Yeah. yeah. There will be more as softball season rolls around once we uh, get into February. Yeah. We got, I feel like, less than, less than a month away from softball action. Yep. But uh, high-speed wins, Blake. Rattle them off. Yes. High-speed wins. Uh, gymnastics had has a lot going on. Uh, they had one loss against uh, Penn State, but they were improving massively from, from that one, from the previous uh, meet against Nebraska. Uh, Fisk MLK meets uh, ended up getting canceled uh, this past Monday, also due to the snowpocalypse. Uh, last night's had a very great win against BYU. Uh, this was first win under ISU against uh, under coach Ashley Miles Grieg and Ashley Miles Grieg's first win period as a coach so after the meet uh, I met up with her I, I congratulated her very well uh, and a lot of student turnout uh, for students even being back a lot of them unfortunately were just there for the beanies no a, a lot of staff. There was an unfortunate number that showed up for the beanies and then left as soon as they got them. No. Because there was students already walking out when I got there. Yeah. Um, so, not not what you want to see. But other than that, it was a very great night to have. Attendance was still higher than I would have expected for gymnastics. I don't typically attend gymnastics. Yeah. Um, uh, but... The soon turnout, like, like it was it was great. Uh, I feel I feel like it was better than what I saw last year. That that uh, the attendance at the at the meet last night was not too far off from what our attendance looks like, you know, at a volleyball game. Exactly. Um, I'm people lo- you people love gymna- people love gymnastics. I guess. I'm like it. It's. I don't understand real... the sport at all, but you really don't have to. Even when even when the Olympics happen, when there's uh, gymnastics, I just don't even pay attention because half the time I'm like what is even happening like <laughs> well, I, don't get me wrong they're summer Olympic, amazing like, athletes yeah they're, they're fantastic athletes they're talented I just don't understand how the scoring works um but like I mean when summer Olympics rolls around you know like I like to watch you know baseball when they have it as an Olympic sport and wrestling those are the only two that I really pay attention to I pay attention to oh. sand volleyball here and there yeah so the the part that gets mad confused is like it's based on judging, right? Like it's not the scoring for gymnastics isn't cut and dry. It's like with with volleyball, it either hit the ground or it didn't. You know, with basketball, it either went through the rim or it didn't. Um, but gymnastics, it's you know you look at it and I was like, I don't know how that works. Like, do you have to do the perfect rotation? Do you have to have the perfect number of spins, landing right? Like, what's the judging there? Like that's where it's like, how do they? How critical are they with the judgment? Right, and like, how is it determined? I, I I don't really understand it. It's the same thing with like in the Winter Olympics with um like snowboarding and skiing, like like the with the the half yeah, the half the ramp half whatever pipe, the, the half pipe. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't understand anything there. Yeah, me me neither. The stuff that's like like the ski stuff that's like timed. Where it's like, how fast can you get down it or whatever while going between the flags or whatever? Like that makes oh, yeah. a little bit more sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's not all the high speed wins we have, Blake. Yeah, I mean, glad glad you guys touched into gymnastics too. <laughs> but uh, after that, we got uh, Swimmies, uh recent win against uh, you and I. They they did, they performed pretty well uh, against them. Uh, but uh, next up today, uh, they'll face uh, TCU here in Byer Hall. Uh, tennis has their doubleheader today against South Dakota and Missouri State uh, in Urbandale at Lifetime Fitness. So nice. that is all we got. Pro sports. Uh, yes, got to love, love us some pro sports. Um, Green Bay Packers beat the Cowboys. Ha ha, Vinny. Um, why, is, why, is, why is life pain? Uh, <laughs> Vinny's a Cowboys fan. Um, yeah, no. I, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I couldn't have been more wrong predicting the outcome of the game last week. I don't know why I thought the Cowboys were going to cover. Because um, we all knew this was coming. The Cowboys choke in the playoffs every year. 
But, I mean, Dak Prescott just doesn't win in the playoffs. He doesn't. He wins in the regular season most of the time. And he gets to the playoffs, and he's basically over. I don't know if he has a playoff win. Uh, I think he has a few. Maybe. Maybe one. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think he does. I'd love for someone to uh, prove me wrong on that. But uh, I don't I don't think he's got one. So, yeah, Vinny had his dreams crushed. Uh, My expectations were low, but holy shit. Let's, either, well, let's be real. No Cowboy fan has low expectations. Vinny, there will come a time yeah. where... No Cowboy fan ever has low expectations. Every year, y'all say that it's your year. Every And then how many times do you think I have to year. look? How many times do you think I have to look on social media afterwards with all the NFL memes with the quarterback of the team the Cowboys lost to saying, just checking to see if y'all still them boys. It pains. It's accurate. It pains. And it's funny it, every year. It may be accurate, but it also hurts. It's funny every year. And to be honest, the, lo- repeat, the, repeat. the longer that We're this streak happens, the, the funnier Bowl. it gets. We're going to the Super Bowl again. Super Bowl 53. <laughs> and it's a John Cena meme. Are you sure about that? <laughs> yep. So, uh, so instead of the Chiefs advance, or sorry, the Chiefs did advance to the next round. Instead of the Cowboys advancing to the next round, uh, Green Bay will be advancing to play the Brock Purdy Niners. Um, and we can all agree right there, they're going to get their asses handed to them. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think that Green Bay might actually cover this one. They're just not going to win. Uh, the, the spread on this one, San Francisco 9.5. Um... So that's that's a two-score spread. And Green Bay is hot at the right time. They're peaking. They're playing at their best right now. Um, but I, I don't think that they can overcome the talent that San Francisco they beat has. the Cowboys. I don't really think they're playing at their best. <laughs> the Cowboys aren't a bad team. They just choke in the playoffs. Uh, the, I mean, the Cowboys were still, you know, a division champion. And they beat the Eagles to do it. Now, granted, the Eagles exactly. completely fell off a cliff, uh, but, you know, that that is what it is. Um, if there's one thing that sucks more or that makes me uh, feel better about Cowboys losing, it's watching all the Eagles fans have their dreams crushed. Yeah, that'll do it. Yep. Uh, for this next one uh, against, against Purdy Niners, this Packers team will be in... In, in the San Francisco crowd and the sunny in the sunny weather might yeah. not be their advantage. Well, San Francisco is not the warmest city on earth, but it's not the frozen tundra, and they're not going to have a Lambeau Field crowd. So I don't think that Green Bay is going to win this game. But because they're peaking at the right time, I think they can make this a little bit closer than nine and a half points. Probably. Uh, Chiefs. Uh. As I Freudian slipped a few minutes ago, uh, Chiefs are advancing to the next round. Um, they got their win versus the Dolphins in what was like the fourth coldest game of all time or something for the NFL last week. So cold. That so cold that not only were beer cans freezing, not only were water can were water bottles immediately turning to ice, but Andy Reid Having a frozen mustache. The icicle stash? The stash sickle? The icicle stash. The yes. stash sickle? The Dude, stash sickle. It, it reminded me of, you know that old uh, history show, History channel show, uh, Mountain Men, and there's the one dude from Alaska that always has yeah. icicles off his mustache? He looked like that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, a good thing that, uh, it was a good thing the Chiefs didn't do a Gatorade bath for Andy Reid after this game. <laughs> I don't know. It would have the, the cooler would have kept it warm enough because it would have been insulated. But as soon as they poured it out, and you know, you know, water when it's in motion doesn't freeze. But as soon as it would have hit Andy Reid, it would have stopped and it would have frozen, and they would have turned Andy Reid into a Gatorade sickle. Gatorade sickle. <laughs> don't, li- don't lick him though. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that. Don't. <laughs> turns, um, turns Andy Reid into whatever color of Gatorade. <laughs> I envisioned it as orange. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. 
I mean, they're the Chiefs. I guess you could go with red Gatorade. Red Gatorade doesn't or, taste as good, though. Most of the time, aren't Gatorade bottle or Gatorade things usually blue? Some of them are. Eh, I feel like or I feel like orange or blue are the most common. I envision it as orange. Blue is blue is my go-to. Um, but yeah, and then it was it was so cold that the uh, it, it made the helmets brittle. Y'all saw Mahomes played an entire play with the mm. chunk of his helmet missing. He didn't catch it, and neither did the officials. Um, now they caught it after that, the next play after it happened, but it was a helmet to helmet contact that, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't get flagged. You know, we're not here to debate that because that's not really an important point in terms of how the game went. Um, but yeah, it completely knocked the chunk of his helmet off and, you know, protocol is you have to, you know, take that helmet out and get a new one. But, you know, it's the outside of the helmet. It's the shell. So Mahomes obviously couldn't see it because you're not going to see the outside of the helmet while you're wearing it. And the officials didn't catch it. And apparently nobody else you know, told him. So. Can we also talk about one thing about how fans at Kansas City started lining up at literally 6 a.m. for the game? In, like, I, look, I'm a diehard fan for some teams, but I'm not that diehard to wait in, like, negative degree weather for, like, 10 hours. You're a rowdy bunch. Uh, That's why Chiefs games I mean, are so expensive. Well, this one, I mean, the, the low, the high, was it the high? I think it was the lowest ticket was 40 bucks or the highest ticket. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that was the lowest one. But that's, I mean, that's relatively cheap for a Chiefs game. But I mean, it's, it's standard operating procedure during the regular season is that they're stupid expensive. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the cold, you would think that kind of cold. Uh, would have slowed down the receivers in this game. And uh, it slowed down Miami's receivers. You know, Tyreek Hill had the 153-yard catch, and aside from that, him and Jalen Waddell didn't do much. Uh, but Rasheed Rice, on the other hand, for Kansas City, eight catches for 103, uh, 130 yards and a touchdown. He did pretty well. He did. That's pretty impressive. In that kind of Hill... cold, you'd think, you know, frozen fingers, you're going to struggle to catch the ball, but nope. He did just fine. Well, Hill was able to catch four, but he only got nine yards out of them. Yeah, it was the other four. Painful. The other the other four catches that he had, aside from that fifty-three yard reception, because he had five total catches. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, in the next game, uh, the Chiefs will be traveling up to Buffalo in what will actually be a warmer game. Uh, that's kind of a bizarre thing to say. Warmer <laughs> game at Buffalo. Um. In yet another episode of the Mahomes versus Allen saga, so you know Tony Romo is giddy to announce this one. Um, you, you you know he's just drooling at the idea of it right now. Um, but yeah, for Kansas City to win this one, they're going to have to shut down Stephon Diggs and James Cook. Uh, you take away Buffalo's two biggest weapons on offense, and now they're going to be very limited because Josh Allen's got to have somewhere to go. Um, right. The, the spread on this one is Buffalo minus three. This is my least favorite number of a spread to predict because it is exactly one field goal. Um, I hate minus 3.0 spreads trying to pick them. This game feels like it's going to be close. Um, I think that the Bills cover it because that they win it. I think the Bills are going to win, and when a spread's this close, I'm just going to pick the winner to cover. So. Let's also say that I find it hilarious that the Bills are asking other random people to come in and shovel out the entire, like, stadium. That's standard like operating oh. procedure for them. They do that every year, sometimes multiple times a year. Yeah. Because they always get the – they get lake effect snow coming off of Lake Erie. Mm. I, just, I always thought it was just the thing of, like, they just are asking random people because they don't have enough staff to do it themselves. No, they have to do that, like, every year. Uh, because much, there's, there's they get so paid? much. Uh, 20 an hour. Okay. Which, can you imagine doing that at, like, uh, Jack Trice for 20 an hour? I wouldn't want to, but, I mean, 20 an hour is 20 an hour. It depends on what your other jobs honest, are. <laughs> I'd honestly do it for, like one time a season oh yeah same now if they were offering you know a free ticket to the game to go with it now that's enticing but free suk up tickets 
Nah, nah, nah. That's that's the elite donor types. No, no. I want I want to be in the uh, the rowdy student section where we have a lot of fun. Um. Anyway, <laughs> NBA. <laughs> uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 13-11, first in the Northwest and first in the Western Conference right now. Uh, in the previous week, four more wins for them. Uh, and they're doing it in multiple ways uh, against the Trailblazers, Clippers, Pistons, and Grizzlies. Uh, Anthony Edwards taking over this offense and creating openings for Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, you know, when the defense is not having their best night ever. I mean, we saw this with the game against, of all teams, the Pistons. Um but when the defense allowed 117 points, they went up and they scored 124. And, you know, how many times, Blake, have I said that the mark of a great team is being able to win in multiple ways? Many times. I've said that a lot of times. Right now, the Timberwolves look like a team that could take the O'Brien Trophy. This is a team that's looking really good. And if they can continue to play this way, through the rest of the season and into the postseason, the Timberwolves will be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and that with their that with their defense, like being like being still the most dominant in the NBA. I mean, you see this past week they they're keeping many teams like from just for just barely hitting a hundred, and then responding to the Pistons, uh, like because because like their defense just got a tiny bit leaky with the Pistons. Right, but, and like, your defense you, isn't you gonna th- hold. Uh, low scores in every single game. Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. Um, But, yeah. And then upcoming here, they've got games. They'll have two games at the Target Center uh, versus the Thunder and Hornets before they travel to Washington to play the Wizards and to Brooklyn to play the Nets. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks, here in the last week, uh, win versus the Warriors, overtime win versus the Kings, and a loss at the Cavaliers. Uh... Unlike the Timberwolves, the Bucks are not winning in multiple ways. Uh, they're winning on offense alone when they win because their defense is really leaky. Uh, the last time the Bucks held a team under 100 points was November 19th uh, at Charlotte. It was not a particularly good team, and they won that game 130 to 99. Once again, I mean that was an offensive showcase for the Bucks. That's what they've been relying on to win games. And if you look at their scores here in the last week, 129, 143, um, that's the two games that they won. But your offense isn't going to click every game. And they only scored 95 points in that loss at the Cavaliers. If the Bucks only score 95 points, if they don't crack triple digits, they will lose. Because they're not holding teams under triple digits. And... You know, I I'm talking about the how the the Timberwolves can win in multiple ways. The Bucks can't. I don't see the Bucks as an O'Brien Trophy threat right now. They might be the number two team in the Eastern Conference, but I don't think that they can uh, seriously make it all the way. Because a team that is more adaptable is gonna eliminate them. Um, and then upcoming here for the Celtics, or sorry, not for the Celtics, for the Bucks. I don't know why I said the Celtics there. They're, they're both green. Um, but yeah, for the Bucks, uh, upcoming, they'll have two games uh, at the Pistons, and then they will return back home to the Fiserv Forum and have two games against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, my Chicago Bulls in the last week. Uh, alternating losses and wins, uh, losing versus the Warriors at the win at the Spurs, loss at the Cavs, and win at the Raptors. Um, not the most consistent play from the Bulls right now. Um, you know, when they get their scoring up, they tend to do well. If they don't get their scoring up, it tends not to go as well. No, that Warriors game was the Warriors game was what it was. Um, you know, that was just an incredibly high-scoring game and honestly kind of painful to watch in the second half when uh, they allowed was it almost 40 points to be scored. Or it might have been over 40 points to be scored in that third quarter. But um, Zach Levine, since he returned from injury, and now he's back on injury again with a sprained ankle, but he has struggled to score. 
He has not led the Bulls in scoring once since he returned from injury. And his trade prospects right now are very much up in the air. Um, because I know Chicago, there's been a lot of rumors about them wanting to trade him to try to get some draft picks uh, because he's not been a player that they've been able to build a program around. And But he's more of a number two type of guy. He'd make a good number two somewhere else. Um, and But with him being injured a lot lately and him struggling lately, his trade prospects are falling. And... The, the only thing that's really increasing his trade prospects lately is that uh, Pascal Siakam uh, did finally get traded from the Raptors to the Pacers. So he was the top uh, guy on the trade market, and now he's already been traded. So, you know, now do you look at, if you're a team that needs to add uh, some talent, do you potentially look at adding Zach Levine or, or maybe Alex Caruso? Um but the the trade prospects for Zach Levine right now, what the Bulls might be able to get for him, is uh, falling pretty rapidly. Uh, upcoming for the Bulls here, they'll have a game against the Grizzlies at the United Center before they travel to Phoenix to play the Suns and to L.A. to play the Lakers. NHL, Vinny's bread and butter. Vinny's, Vinny's got it all. All right, uh, here we go. Minnesota Wild, 18-21-5, 41 points, 7th in the Central. Wow. I mean, they're only above the Blackhawks, which is pretty bad. So Yes, it is. Um, A Connor so Bedardless Blackhawks. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, biggest thing, uh, so they started with the, uh, I guess, the Flyers at home in Minnesota. Fortunately, that was a OT loss. Philadelphia won the shots there, 35-29. And Minnesota unfortunately lost in overtime to a 18,473 capacity crowd, which is very good. Unfortunately, sadly, they couldn't get the win. But those are great numbers in Minnesota. We yeah. move on. Yeah, they are. We move on uh, playing the Coyotes. Okay. A shutout loss to the Coyotes? And you gave up six goals in the process? Yeah, that one's ugly because the Coyotes are not exactly a good team. I mean, they're not they've the never, worst, but the Sharks might be the worst. They've never been a good but... team. They've never been a good team. That's the thing. Mm-mm. Either either way, Nick Buckstad um, uh, got the hat trick for uh, Arizona. Pretty good on him. And Connor Ingram uh, giving the shout-out with 38 saves. I mean, that's, move on. Yeah. that's tough for the Wild, though, getting that many shots on goal and none of them getting through. Literally, that's you, you don't see that all that often, but that just shows you how impressive Connor Ingram is in the net. Yeah. Um, so going against the uh, now we move on. They had a big home stand. They ended off with the Islanders, thankfully getting that win with the shutout. Or they talk go about from, inconsistency. Oh, legit! They go from getting shut out to then shutting out. Um, o- yeah. OTL to getting shut out to shutting out. And then we'll get to yes. the next game where they gave up seven goals to the Lightning. Yes, right. So Minnesota completely destroyed the shots, almost doubling, 40-21. to 21. Their defense really came to play in that. Yeah. And Flurry has been top-notch lately in the net. So there have been talks, though, that he might be going somewhere else, but nothing's really like made official yet. Those are just speculations. Well, the Wild are uh, definitely sellers right now as you're getting close to the trade deadline. Oh, absolutely. So anything is possible. And um, then, yeah, the Lightning. Yeah, the Lightning. Well, lost seven to three loss. No but defense. Biggest, no, no. The biggest news there for T- uh, Tampa Bay is Nikita Kucherov hit 500 assists with three in the game, which is pretty good. That's uh, that's insanely Sir- good. Oh, it absolutely is. And I don't know how long he's been in the league, but hitting 500 assists is pretty impressive. So, yeah, it is. Um, Anthony Sorelli uh, got two goals on the night, and the Lightning had won the faceoffs there, 64 percent to 36 percent, which that's just not good on Minnesota's part. You're going to struggle to win games that way when you're not on offense. Exactly. So that's and that's why they gave up seven goals. Yep. 
And then continuing the trend of inconsistency, last night they beat the Panthers. Six the, to four. Yeah. Scoring six goals against the Panthers. The Panthers are a good team. The Panthers have like been stepping up recently with the addition of basket chucks, so Well, they've been solid this entire year. Um, you know, they're oh, they're competing for the top they're competing for the top of the East, but it's Oh yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, upcoming here for the for the wild. They're gonna be at the Canes versus the Caps and versus the Preds. Yeah, nice uh, home stand for a while. Yep. Before they have one game on the road and then they return back to the XL Energy Center. They Well, I mean, they've had also the past now we're gonna be three games away in in Tampa Bay, Florida, yeah. and now Carolina. Yep, that, yeah, so that's it's gonna right. be good to get a yep. to get a home stand back. Yep, yep. Uh Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, last week, they got a win, and it wasn't pretty. One win. wasn't pretty. A shootout are... against the worst team in the league. Exactly. How long did it last? Nine rounds. Nine-round Nine shootout rounds. against the Sharks. Which, well, okay, keep in mind, the shootout could have ended twice with Jason Dickinson and Zach Sanford. But, but they it decided... But, but the crossbar had other plans. Well, That's one was the crossbar. One was the upright. Yes, right. But thankfully, Rem Picklick and Boris Kachuk, thank you, thank you. You you beat the Sharks. Congratulations. I'll give I'll give you a cookie. How about that? You beat the Sharks. Yeah, I think they can split a cookie. Um, I think the storyline the storyline of the week though for the Blackhawks wasn't even for the Blackhawks. It was for the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, the because Sabres, they, the, the the Sabres won that lost. game 3-0, but the highlight yeah. of that game is... is Jordan Greenway. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Greenway interfering, Jordan, getting an interference before call he, before, before he, he even stepped, stepped out, out of, of the box. penalty box. Yeah. I think it's just so funny how, like, immediately, like, a penalty ends. Finish it, the puck. Finishes right, his back. minor penalty before he's even out of the box, touches the, uh, yeah, touches it and gets another penalty. And so I think I'm, it's I not think a double minor, but it might as well have been. <laughs> exactly. Oh my, that's it was that was probably the funniest part of the entire night. Only thing not funny was that the Blackhawks, even though the game was postponed from Wednesday to Thursday, given that extra day, they still can't get a f- goal. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's highlight real stuff. <laughs> um, it's so bad. Yep. And then but, uh, last night they got a win against the Islanders, four to three. In in overtime with Seth Jones getting his first goal of the season. Yep. Which I don't know where he's been. I know he's been injured, but for the most of the entire season, wow. Yep. Uh, and then the uh, the Blackhawks this week will be taking a trip to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, they will be playing at the Canucks, the Kraken, and the Oilers. Sorry, Chicago fans, you're going to be without a good – you're going to be sad for a while knowing that you mm-hmm. won't have a home team. Or Bedard. Oh, or Bedard. Bedard. Uh, injuries. Uh, St. Louis Blues last week started off with an OTL against the Bruins. Charlie McAvoy with and Brad Marchand getting both goals, uh, two apiece actually. Ben McAvoy getting the OT winner and Marchand – has hit 900 career points, but that still doesn't change the fact that he's a, just a piece of shit. It yeah. still doesn't change the fact. Even though he could get, he could break Gretzky's record, he's still an ass. So, yeah. Um, and then the Blues could not get shots off in that game. They got 23 shots off in that game, and yeah. they allowed Boston to get 35. 35. That's a fairly normal number, maybe a little on the high side, but. But 23 shots. Only, only 23 shots on goal is pretty bad. Now, Boston's defenders, their skaters are doing a great job on defense in that game. But the Blues still, still. need to be getting more more through. Um, uh, loss versus the Flyers, 4-2. Uh, then they had a 5-2 loss to the Capitals to follow that. Oh, so, and Tippett getting the, gives Flyers the lead with five minutes left, and that's really bad. Yeah. And then the Blues were able to get some shots off in that Flyers game. They got 30 of them, but then their defense didn't show up, and they allow 42. So, um, 
you know. And with the cap, with the Capitals lost five to two though. But good news for TJ Oshie net the hat trick, and Washington is now on a win streak. So unfortunately, uh, St. Louis just can't. They can't catch a break up. right now. No, they um, can't. And then upcoming here, they're going to have a home game at the Enterprise Center against the Capitals again uh, before they take a trip to Canada and play the Flames and Canucks. Uh, Major League Baseball does not have a whole lot of news right now. There has been basically nothing amongst the teams we've covered uh, in terms of trades or free agent signings. All that we really got is that the White Sox have begun to float an idea at building a new stadium to move into in 2029. Um, their lease with guaranteed rate field ends in 2029. Uh, and the proposed site is an undeveloped piece of land uh, north of guaranteed rate field called the 78. Um, all of this is just little more than, you know, them saying that they're open to the idea of it. There's not really any active plans in the works for it. We'll see what ends up happening with it. It could end up being a whole lot of nothing. Uh, follow the Cornfield Sports Pod on Twitter at C Sports Pod. You can find Blake at Blake Attack One Eight Four Six. Vinny, you can find me at Venacious D Twenty Three. It's just like Tenacious D and then just Twenty Three. And of course, you can find me at the Menson Minute. Uh, tap the follow button on Spotify, the plus button on Apple. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and on Rumble. This is Blake Peterson. I'm Matt Menson. I'm Vinny Cataldo. And this has been the Cornfield Sports Pod.